Hello, everyone. Welcome back to our webinar series, Embracing Change. We have Loy coming in from Malaysia today. Um, he'll be with us in a few seconds, I guess. Um, who's going to share with us his personal journey to succession and um, how it all came through. Loy? There we go. Welcome, Hi. Loy. Thank Hello. you for taking the time. I know it's late for you and uh, very early for me in the morning. So um, <clears throat> welcome. Thank you for taking the time to be here. Thank you. So um, let's, let's begin, if you don't mind, with a little bit of a, a background about yourself, and then we'll go into the, the fun and uh, fun in the sharing. Mm. Mm. Um, a little bit about my background. So um, let's see, where should I start? So I grew up in a family of four boys. Uh, my, um, my father um, didn't, go, didn't have very much education. He had only three years of formal education. Um, but he was very entrepreneurial. He started a business and um, uh, we grew up pretty poor. We grew up pretty poor, but I never felt uh, in poverty because I never, I never, I mean, we, we always had food, uh, but we must have been pretty poor because I do recall that, um, I, I do recall in my memory, in my childhood, that my grandfather was putting concrete on the floor because the floor was just uh, made of, uh, was just clay floor. And it wasn't the outside of the house. It was the inside of the house. And I do recall as growing up, we didn't have running water and we had a well uh, for water, but we couldn't afford one well in one house and the well was shared with our neighbor. And of course, we didn't have uh, indoor toilets. Indoor toilets came later and the toilets was away from the house. So, 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 so I grew up um, in a small little village. Um, my grandfather, my father's father came from China as an immigrant in his teenage years and without a living. Uh, and my father didn't have very much education. Like I said, he had uh, three years of education. And then he went off, uh, uh, he had to tap rub, rubber in the, in, in the old days, uh, very early in the morning at about 1 a.m. At the age of four years old, he would have to wake up in the morning to, with his brothers to go and tap rubber. Um, <clears throat> with the English, um, he went to trade school in the British Army where he um, gained a knowledge of English. And um, at the age of six, 16, <clears throat> he was an enter enterprising young man, uh, so, uh, became a mechanic. And when the British was leaving Malaysia, he, he um, helped some friends to acquire land. Land was very scarce um, uh, for the Chinese. Uh, they are very... They are always very associated with land, and and the, um, and so when the British left because of the communist insurgency in Malaysia in the fifties and sixties, uh, he became a negotiator because he could speak English. He acquired it in the trade school in the British Army, and and they then parcel out land, the land uh, into smaller parcels and sold it to uh, small <coughs> businessmen. Oh. Uh, for his effort, he took one. Uh, he took a percentage of the of the profit, 
And so he, he began to do many of that and, and, and he became very rich uh, as a result of this. Um, during the, uh, in 1969, Malaysia experienced um, uh, race riots. <clears throat> uh, and after that, the government industrialized the whole country, came up with a, with a plan and called for <clears throat> industrialization so that more employment could be, um, could be had. Uh, in quick succession, my father opened up uh, something like eight factories um, and, um, and his business growth grew very rapidly <clears throat> after that. Um, at the height, uh, the company employed like about 28,000 people and we were probably the fourth or largest banking group uh, in, the, in the country, in Malaysia. And he was named one of the top 10 entrepreneurs uh, in Malaysia as well. Um, the business that he built over 35 years uh, came crashing down in the 1997 financial crisis. <clears throat> uh, my father had borrowed a lot of money uh, in US dollars and he didn't hedge against it. And for those who are old enough uh, to remember, uh, in a matter of months, uh, <clears throat> the local currency across a Asia uh, dropped against the U.S. dollars. So anyone who had borrowed a lot of money in U.S. dollars, all of a sudden, had um, debts that uh, uh, was not able to be serv serviced. Um, that was a time when he also passed away. And I assume um, the mantle of CEO in this company. Uh, I was doing my own business. <clears throat> I worked for my father as soon as I graduated at the age of 21, 22. Uh, after about five years, I ventured off to do my own thing and largely stayed away to do my, my, my own thing. Um, before he passed away, he, he had cancer. Mother asked me to come back and, and, um, and I rejoined the business. My second brother, I had four, four boys in the family. Yeah. The second brother was, uh, was in the business um, at that time as well. Um, about 18 months after I rejoined, my father passed away. And then there was an Asian contagion. And, uh, and in a matter of months, uh, all, the all the effort that he has spent to build uh, the business over 35 years came crashing down. Um, my father said, as we were growing up, we used to, we used to share meals uh, over dinner and he likes to share experiences. Yeah. Um, a lot of things he said were from my grandfather, who he admired a lot. And so, <clears throat> and so along the same way, he would pass on words of wisdom, so to speak, <laughs> uh, whether we wanted it or not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and one of the things I remember him saying was that uh, in business, you must only have one partner, one, one wife, he said. Oh, really? In real life, I would advise you to only have one wife too, but in business, you, you got to focus on one thing. <clears throat> he had two parts of the business. One part was a public listed business, which was a lot larger. And another part was um, the unlisted, the private side. <clears throat> uh, and so he had focused everything on the public side. Uh, it, what, what it meant when he said uh, you must only have one wife is that you must only have one focus and you have to, okay. have to decide. And his decision was that he was going to look after the public side of the business. Okay. Uh, and okay. so all the wealth, all the main wealth was plowed into it. <clears throat> uh, as the company grew, 
he had took on more debts. And in order to grow the business, he had got to put in more capital. And as the business grew rapidly, um, he would then pledge the shares of his holdings to banks to borrow more money to capitalize the, the business. And so the control over the public list side was affected by loans taken out against the shares of the company. So after he died and, and uh, about four months, five months later, after I became CEO, I implemented a scheme of arrangement, which really was a financial restructuring of, a, of the entire group. Um, I saw that we were unable to have the cash flow to meet our financial obligations. And the proper thing to do was to call for a standstill so that we could negotiate with the banks. Yeah. Um, with good intentions to pay back everyone, I thought. Uh, what I didn't realize uh, from lack of experience is that once something like that is declared that we, couldn't, we cannot pay the banks, can you guys just please hang on while we sort things out? Uh, that was the death knell because it, it meant that any existing lines would be frozen. And when cash was restricted, it was, uh, it's very difficult to do business. Uh, as a result of that, uh, the business was lost. And, um, and when my father said, you know, you put everything into the business, um, after he passed away, we realized that, you know, even the house that we stayed in was uh, a company house. The cars that we were driving were company cars. And so, in fact, um, a large part of the business was lost. In the process, um, as I was a CEO, we had to sell off a lot of the businesses. The businesses were sold so that cash could be raised so that a financial package could be formulated uh, and then we could deal with the, with the banks. Uh, one of the businesses that was sold was a ed small education group called Taylor's. Yeah, my father's company owns 67% of, of that. Um, about four years, five years um, later, uh, we were able to buy a minority stake by the minority partner who wanted to sell. And, and, and after that, uh, we were able to build a new business in education. Okay. So I have been in education for, we bought it 20 years ago. It was in 2001 that we bought the business. Uh, my second brother was supposed to run the business um, while I dealt with um, the, the banks uh, all my family members, or the adult family members, including my wife, had stood as guarantees for my father's debt. And so we, we, were, we all had this large financial uh, obligation um, uh, to, to deal with. Unfortunately, my brother passed away in a car accident about a couple of years after, after we acquired that small stake. And then it was left largely to uh, me as the... Uh, uh, as the only sibling uh, in the business uh, to move forward, we're building something. So perhaps I'll just stop there. So, so if you, thank you for, for that intimate sharing. Um, so if you were to, to go back to 97, when you had that situation with the banks, what would you share? Just, I know it's the business side, we're gonna go more on the family side. What would you share in terms of what would you have done? What would you do differently with what you know today? How would you approach that? stand still, knowing that there's a possibility of a cash flow choke as soon as you announce that um, we'd like 
to pause. Is there another way or is it? Yeah, I would probably have tried uh, something else. Okay. Um, I would have tried uh, disposing some businesses that we could dispose. We still needed to do that. I would then have, uh, we, we should have looked at a lot of the businesses that uh, were not yielding a profit and considered closing them down and selling them off to raise cash. Um, one of the things with my father too, and this is uh, one of the sayings that he used to teach me was that if you, um, once you put up your signboard, in the Chinese who say that, you don't put it down. I wasn't sure whether it was partly ego that you don't do that. But I think when he said it, it meant that when you want to do something, you got to be really proud of it. And when you put a signboard up there, it's supposed to be there forever. It's, it's permanent. You want to be able to send a message to the community that you are here and you are here to stay. Yeah. I think that was what you're saying. Uh, that should be the way. Uh, in order to get loyalty and trust of the community. Yeah. However, not all businesses can always be profitable. And so when, when we run a conglomerate, we are always not so blessed that every part of our business are yielding and doing well. And yeah. so we have to make tough decisions sometimes to cut off a product or a service or to cut off a company and then, and, and then do that kind of, kind of thing. Uh, that wasn't done. Yeah. So I guess we, we, that was one of the things that we could have done. Okay. So in terms of, in terms of debt, what is your, the, oh, sorry, go ahead. The, the other thing that um, should have been done yeah. um, would have been to, to ensure that the successors have the best chance of success. And that means that uh, successes who are in the business should be introduced to all the important people, uh, partners, bankers especially, uh, so that there's a familiarity uh, introduced to the business in, in a lot of different respects too. Um, the, the business succession, I guess, w was, wasn't handled well, um, given that he had... Uh, cancer for five years. Uh, there was adequate time to put uh, quite a lot of things uh, in place. Yeah. So now, so now what, what is your approach towards that after that experience? Are, are you the other extreme now or somewhere in the middle? Like what I is tell my, I, I get, um, that's a really good question, by the way. Uh, I tell my managers, that, that the best way to identify a good manager is not when they are on the job. It's a year or two years after they have left the job and to see how well their department or their business are doing. The mark of a good manager is, after, is, is how well they have left it and, and how well the business can survive without them to put things in, in place. And so my, the lesson which I learned uh, from this episode, it was a really traumatic episode because there was one moment I was like the son of a billionaire 
And the next moment, we didn't even have a house that belonged to us or a car was our own. <laughs> um, uh, and it took a long time, many, many years to get my self wrapped around it, my head wrapped around that. Um, what I have learned from that is that that need not be. Um, uh, that handover in succession uh, must, be, must be handled in a much more um, structured manner. And, and the handing over should start way before the final departure. So if I'm going to leave um, at a certain age, let's say at age 65, I'm going to be 60 years old at the end of this, of this year, the handing over process should start years before that. Yeah, introductions to the people that matters, to the stakeholders, to the staff, training in different areas. Um, uh, and, that's, and that's a lot of things besides um, just handing over a title too. Yeah. So um, going back to the, to the debt side, you didn't, you didn't get into that. Are, is, are you, like for, for us, yeah. we're taught, you know, we are basically cash people, right? For us, as gujus, you know, debt is not something that we're very comfortable with, right? So obviously you went, you had this experience of, you know, which is extremely traumatic, right? From being a billionaire to not having a home or a car because of the debt, right? That, that was taken and the risk and lack of succession. And obviously there's a lot of other factors. Yeah, some, some debt is good okay. um, so that we can, um, leverage uh, the assets of the company well. Too much debt is no good. Some debt can be your friend. Too much debt becomes your enemy. Yeah, there's just too much risk. Um, we have very good financial controls. Uh, now, uh, I also listen to bankers a lot. Okay. And, uh, and bankers uh, nowadays are a lot smarter too. They, they, they give us, they give all their borrowers a lot of banking covenants too, you know, debt ratios, et cetera, et cetera, too. Um, uh, I and my financial team regularly meet with our bankers. We yeah. tell them when things are going well. We tell them when things are not going well. As a matter of fact, um, when this pandemic started last year, yeah. and we couldn't go out and call out uh, CEOs, uh, the bankers that we dealt with, I told them how we think, how bad the situation is, um, how many students we will lose, et cetera, et cetera. I told them that we might make a loss for the year and these are our plans and, and, and what we wanted to do. Uh, I told my family the same thing too. <clears throat> um, to my surprise, um, the bankers appreciate it. Exactly. And some of them said, if you need more money, we can lend it to you. I said, no, 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 we don't want any more money. We want to part costs and, and, and control things. Um, when bankers get frightened, something must be wrong because bankers always want to lend you more money. The more money you borrow from them, the more money they make. But they get really worried if they feel that uh, there might be an occasion on, on a, or a chance that you might not pay them back, right? And so when a trusted banker is worried, that's a time when we have to listen. So that's one thing. Okay. Um, I have a very open and transparent system uh, 
with the people who report to me, including CFOs uh, and, and all that. Uh, and, um, and they are the first line of people who gets concerned if, uh, if they feel that we are unable to service uh, our debt. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's a part on the, on the, on the business is to, is to grow at a manageable pace and not to overstretch ourselves. Yeah. So just in terms of the impact on the children, were you married and the kids were already born yeah. when this happened or not yet? When this thing happened, I had three girls. Oh, wow. Already. Okay. And my son was born the following year. Okay. So I had four children. Um, they are fortunate that um, they were too young to experience this. Um, and in my family, I guess, uh, you know, me and my second brother were passed away. Yeah. My, his wife and sister-in-law works with the business show, so she was right in the, in the thick of things as well. Wow. Um, my wife, of course, knows what was happening. Uh, yeah. My mother isn't really involved in the business, uh, but she's kept informed what happened. I have yeah. two other younger brothers and a sister, and they were too young. They were like OC studying, and um, okay. so, so they are they are the lucky ones. <laughs> were they able to continue studying, or was that also disrupted? Yes. They were able to continue. Okay, that's yes, good. In fact, in fact, one of the first thing I did, um, we had a we had a couple of apartments, uh, which my mother had bought, my father has bought uh, in Canada, and I told my mother. Transfer those apartments to my brothers so that that's their cash to complete the education. If we have nothing left, at least they get educated yeah. and hopefully yeah. they can look after themselves. Okay, so education is, uh, is always very important because uh, uh, you never know when you need it. Uh, children from a wealthy family may never even imagine uh, of a time when when money is not accessible or not available. <clears throat> um, and in a way, uh, that's bad. Uh, they're very blessed that they don't go across such a, uh, come across such a situation in their life. But in another sense, um, going through such traumas can strengthen us. Yeah. I remember that we, we, we live in this uh, Big house uh, during those days. Uh, as part of the uh, contribution my father made to the company, they then uh, the board decided to uh, give the house to my mother, but it, it came with the debt and we had to service the debt. So during those days, I had to change the lights in my house to energy saving lights. We had this beautiful thing that you can uh, you know adjust and all that. I changed everything out because I told them uh, I want to save electricity because we might not be able to pay electricity. Yeah. Um, unless we are faced with uh, a traumatic incident like that and forced to go through it, yeah. you, you know, uh, our worldview is always very different. Yeah. But that's the thing, right? I mean, they can, they can take everything from you, but they can't take you, right? Which is, which is what happened, right? And then... You know, obviously through that brutal experience, you, you, you make different choices, right? But, um, 
So, so with the kids of that notion that they can take everything, but they can't take you. So education, as you said, is a priority, which your siblings were blessed to have you yeah. support that decision. Yeah, this is one of the things I think about all the time. How to, how to have it so that my kids or the next generation can acquire resiliency, yeah. can know that they can overcome things. Because if they haven't suffered, they, they haven't fallen down, they never know whether they can get up after they've fallen down. And I would like, um, of course, as any parent would, to, to be around uh, to help when that happens. But we are never, ever going to be around forever, right? Yeah. But the thing is, how do you move from being a crutch, right? Being around and watching a car crash or versus which is empowerment right you let them experience what's needed versus being the crutch to solve the issue at hand how do you create that balance yeah that's a perennial question how do we do that and how much do we um do we keep away when they are struggling um i have a view though and it's a personal view that everyone has their own battles has there (laughs) sorry say it again that everyone has to fight their own battles. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so long as they are not getting killed, for example, yeah. um, then it is a battle uh, that they need to, to fight on their own. Uh, we can be there to help, to support, and to cheer. Yeah. But it is something that they need to go through. You know, I recall, it's like, I recall the story I've been told uh, before that I read um, about a little boy who found uh, a butterfly coming out uh, of cocoon, right? Uh, was struggling, struggling, struggling. It couldn't come out. It took a long time. And a little boy decided to help it peel away the cocoon a little bit and so that the butterfly could crawl out. And then the little boy waited, waited to see whether the butterfly would eventually take off and fly. The butterfly never did. It never did because it needed the struggle yeah. To put, I don't know, fluids through the wings or whatever, so that through that tough process, yeah. um, it could metamorphosize into a fully blown, beautiful uh, insect. Yeah. And so um, every person uh, needs to have an opportunity <clears throat> to go through their own trials. Yeah. Because from the trials, there's just so many lessons that we learn. Yeah, I, for example, I think I have had a very tough life. Uh, although the first part of my life was uh, smooth sailing, but I really <laughs> cherished the, the problems which I which I had the the fourteen years that that it took us to pay off all our family's debts. Because fourteen really, years, wow! It took me fourteen years to eventually uh, get uh, all my families uh, out of their guarantees and to have a loan okay. to pay. Okay. That's a long, long time. Yeah. Yeah. So from that can come two things, right? Also can come fear of loss again. Do you feel Mm -hmm. that the resilience has allowed you not to have that fear? Or do you feel, you know, because that's that's the two sides, right? That that, that can result from that. Do you feel that you are Um, willing to take the risk as an entrepreneur or... Are you a I lot more risk averse? Yeah, I guess it impacts it impacts people differently. Yeah. For me, 
um, um, it makes me more cautious. It has made me much more cautious. Um, it has made me realize um, that I'm not infallible. Yeah. It, has, it has made me uh, be more open uh, to listen to my, my guys. Yeah. As entrepreneurs, uh, we always think about the successes. Very few entrepreneurs start a business thinking they can fail. Right. And so it is in the nature of entrepreneurs to be positive. And sometimes um, they can be very unrealistic. <laughs> yeah. So it hasn't made me um, adverse to new ventures. Uh, but this lesson has been very valuable to listen, to not overborrow, to not run too fast because the faster we run, the harder we will fall. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so let's maybe switch gears now to, to right? What we're going to speak about is one is you can choose which one you want to go for, succession planning that you're, you're planning, and also how to enable or support the next generation to make their mark, right? As we said, at the same time, learn the lessons, right? Fail or, or, or learn whatever word you want to use as they create what they what, what, what um, they want to, right? Within the system or outside the system. Yeah. I think they are interlinked. <clears throat> okay. Both succession planning yes. and helping uh, the next generation make the mark yeah. are interlinked. They are one and the same thing, yeah. but different aspects of the same thing. Let me, yeah. let me explain. I believe that... Um, <clears throat> people have the best chance of success if they do what they love. And it's easy because um, if you do something that you love, work doesn't feel like work. Yeah. We will be able to spend more hours, more research, yeah. play, play with it more, discuss it more. And, and then that effort, that additional effort and time can convert to become uh, an advantage. Uh, a competitive advantage, right? <clears throat> so it just makes sense that way. Um, I don't think very much about uh, business, a particular business uh, as a legacy anymore. I used to. I used to think, oh yeah, the Taylor's Education Group, um, you know, I'm going to help, I'm, I'm going to build this and it's going to be handed to the kids and, and then they're going to hand it over to the grandkids and, you know, 500 years late, later, the university still exists and that kind of thing. Um, that would be nice, but I, I don't believe it's necessary and I don't even believe that it's good. Uh, okay. for, for me and my family to think like that because of what I've just said you become successful doing what you love and not everyone is going to love education um, uh, for me what is more important is, is, is the happiness uh, of my kids and their cousins and of the next generation uh, a sense of success in whatever they, that they do and and being able to work together in a very tight, uh, happy community of uh, co-shareholders. And each of them could be doing different things. Yeah. We have, um, of the next generation, we have musically talented 
kids, we have uh, artistic kids in design. Um, and the question I've asked is, why do I want to deprive someone who's artistically inclined and good and force them to do something in business that they're, they're, they're no good? They don't do a favor to the business and I'm not doing them a favor either. Uh, and they could grow up regretting that they have never had a chance to express uh, their heart's desire. Yeah. So I don't think about uh, legacy and succession uh, in the traditional way anymore. What I think about is uh, how is, you know, can they, what do I have to put in place? What kind of structure do we need to design for ourselves so that the family will stay a family? So that um, in a very successful family, it's like a clan. It's like a it's like a tribe that people want to belong to. How can I? How can we? Not I. How can how can we design something such that every family member want to be part of a family? Yeah. And we know that there are some families which, of which particular members do not want to be part of that family. So. Um, so this is a very difficult question to do because it, it means we have to try to understand what each child wants to do, how we can help that child uh, in their own journey, in their own pursuit. Uh, at the same time, uh, if they are going to be future shareholders, um, but if they are not going to work in the company, then as shareholders, we have to design something so that they can learn how to become good shareholders they don't have to be good managers, but if they're going to be a director, how to become a good director. And it's a role that's very different from being a CEO or a senior man manager. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, so, and so helping the next generation make their mark starts with first uh, having conversations and understanding them and, and encouraging them. Yeah. So that's beautiful, Lloyd. I mean... You know, we, we tend to forget that it's family business, family office. Family is always first. And we spend most of our energy on the business or the office. That's right? right. And you've made it very clear that you want to create that home, that nectar, that loving space right. that everybody wants to be part of, right? They want a part of that yumminess, right? That's right. And, and so because they're coming home, right? It's a coming home, right? That they yearn for, irrespective of age, irrespective of, of what they do, whether they're the artist, whether they're the CEO, it it's, doesn't matter, right? And at the same time, you're creating a space of responsibility that you need to learn to be a responsible shareholder in whatever form that is, director or, or beyond. Can you, I mean, you've already set that beautiful stage. Can you define a little bit more? I know, you talked about loving what you do, right? Of in terms of happiness and success, maybe a little, can you share a little bit more? How are yeah. you nurturing that process? I know we spoke about the coaching and the mentoring, maybe share a little bit tangibility of how that sharing occurs. How does that empowerment process occur to help the next gen really go deep inside and be transparent and truthful? of what is occurring for them? Um, I will start by, by, by first echoing what you just said about family business. In fact, I learned this from my, from my 
number three uh, brother. He's, uh, he's, he has a PhD in family, bus family business. And he told me once, he says, um, there's a difference between family business and business family. Do you know what it is? And I said, what? <laughs> he says, in family business, the family comes before the business. And so you have to decide which one it is. If it's a family business you want, don't forget that the family comes first. So I've always remembered that. And that's kind of like the simple yet guiding principle yeah. in the things yeah. that we do. Yeah. And so when we're trying to find a way um, in transitioning to the next generation, uh, that kind of thinking becomes really useful. How can I think about it so that the individual, the family comes before my desire for the business? Because the individuals, the people are far more important. Um, number one, it takes time. Number two, it requires a lot of uh, patience. Um, and what I mean is this. Just reflecting on my own kids, I have um, one, two, I have three girls and one boy. Um, and you know, in fact, four. In fact, all four are working, but my, my son is like a part-time job. <clears throat> all four of them are working in uh, investments or businesses of mine now. It wasn't like this before. My eldest daughter started working outside, and then she asked to join uh, one part of the business in student accommodation. She worked there for two years, and then uh, she said she had enough, she had learned enough and she wants to do something else and now she's doing invest, investing in, in, our, in our business as well. She's, she's, uh, uh, and she's starting a family office uh, for our family too. Um, she seemed to have found what she really likes to do and it has taken time. Um, I couldn't have pushed her. Number one, she's very headstrong. <laughs> uh, and number two, I didn't need to because she's very capable, very sure of what uh, she needs for herself, which is time to, to look at different things. And I think she's finally found something which she enjoys. Um, and so that will require a lot less effort. It doesn't feel like work for her, I hope. Um, my second daughter also worked elsewhere and she has also joined a business which uh, we have invested in. Uh, and that's in the well-being space, well-being and uh, essential oil and body care line, which she loves. Um, and actually, frankly speaking, the, one of the main reasons why we acquired that was because she introduced it, that to us. And, uh, and, uh, and I, when we were discussing this, I realized that, my goodness, all the ladies in my house, including my wife, all of a sudden had a great interest in this Business. It was a very, very small business of uh, two, two shops at that time. Whereas Taylor's was a lot bigger and you know, they were not interested at, at all. And so we really have to try to think um, about businesses that they would uh, find an appeal for. Yeah. Um, and the third, my third daughter also worked elsewhere. And, uh, and she's now working in the travel business, which is experiencing really, really tough times. Our business is down to like 2% of what we normally do because of the pandemic. <clears throat> I don't know whether she will ever stay in the, um, in the travel industry permanently. 
uh, I guess you will have to find your own way. And so this is what I mean by having patience, uh, letting them ex explore. And when they have found something which they like, that's when we begin to help and enable and encourage to do so. Okay. So, and, and when they're studying, when they're working outside, they come to you for guidance and, um, or is it more, like you said, she's headstrong. So how is that process? <laughs> no. Um, and some of my kids might be on this call. <laughs> so, um, I don't give up very easily. I, I, <laughs> I didn't think so, Lloyd. <laughs> no, no. But, I, but I like to believe that I do it in a much more gentle manner. Uh, I ask about the work. I, you know, I, I prod them along in a, on a certain path. Uh, but if they are not interested, I'm very comfortable with that too. Yeah. 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 Uh, um, I suppose there's a, there's a father in me that wants the best for the kids and, and sometimes it, it's because we are a little bit impatient. We, we, we think that they're too chill, maybe. <laughs> we should move a little bit faster. Yeah, because yeah. it's always... Yeah, go ahead. So what, what I have found in my family that really works yeah. is discussions about the family. Discussion about the family unit, uh, who we are, who we can be, the value system that we want to promote. Um, uh, what I try to do as part of my succession is try to get everyone to play or to participate in a way that they're comfortable. It's in something. Uh, recently, in the past uh, couple of months, I, uh, I engaged with my coach um, on a project called The Enduring Family. And, and the project is really about how do we organize our family and each individual so that the family endures for multi-generation? And it's, it's not easy work, um, but it can be fun work too. Anything that you can do in a healthy family is always fun anyway too. Um, I didn't know where it would go. My family all got together for like half a day with the coach all on Zoom and it took us through it. Um, and then the coach reached out to me and said, are you guys ready to, to continue on a, for the next six months on this? You know, can we talk about it? So I said, let me ask my kids to see whether they're interested. So I sent out <clears throat> a message. He said, let's talk about this. Um, when, when are you guys free? <laughs> uh, only one person responded. <laughs> One person responded, right? And I didn't chase. Um, then I, um, I was on the phone in my second, uh, I was having a forum meeting in YPO and there was a topic. And uh, out of that topic, one of my realization was uh, uh, we don't need everyone uh, to agree to something because one person can become a majority. And we were talking about uh, families, every generation that, no, in every generation, if you have just one entrepreneur that could perpetuate the family's wealth for the next generation, you don't need everyone to be a successful entrepreneur and just one could, could do. And I was telling my daughter and she was the one who responded. I was sharing with her, I said, uh, we don't need 
everyone to respond because if one person, if you are really interested, you become the majority. You just take the lead. I will work with, with, with you. And uh, I'm quite confident that if someone takes the, the lead, um, you know, everybody eventually will jump on the bandwagon and you'll find a way to contribute and, and, and all that. So that's, that's one of the ways that I try to move things along, to try to find a champion within my family that is interested in something and then promote it. We also had, um, uh, for many years now, in a larger fa family, uh, a philanthropic committee trying to do good because we wrote it in our values that, you know, we must try to help the community wherever we live and operate. Um, but it's always been very tough going uh, because people are busy and philanthropy is something that is easier done by just contributing money. But yeah. contributing effort takes a lot of struggle for a lot of people. Um, and unless we can find a champion, someone who's really driven by wanting to help and contribute, um, that committee will always struggle. It will be a chore. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the so we are still on the lookout for a champion among the family who wants to lead this, because if someone will lead it, I'm sure other people will come onto the bandwagon. Yeah. Oh, that's incredible. And this is just going back to that comment. I just want to reaffirm what you said. A lot of you know the family business, the family office, and your brother, you know, reminded right when. And it's interesting when people start coin the term we're a business family, right? And it's really, they're coining it based on not having one core business. That means you're now investing and have multiple businesses or a family office, et cetera. But again, it's all driven by the element of the business that it's multiple, it's, it's not single, right? It's not yeah. driven by the family, right? And the definition of the family, right? And a lot of times it moves into shareholding, right? So before we go into, I'd like to ask you how you're preparing for your time, right? Of, of I, I prefer longevity. I don't, I prefer, I don't use the word succession actually, right? It's just, you know, it's, it's, it's a different stage of life, right? Before we go there, how do you balance when you say everyone's a shareholder? How do you balance what Warren Buffett says? Enough to do something, but not enough to do nothing. How, how maybe this generation, it seems everybody's active. How will you work with that in the generations to come? I, I, I think, I think, um, I think if we, if we approach this question uh, correctly, yeah. um, then it will lead us, it will lead us to a, a much more sustained uh, way of doing it. Let me, let me explain. Yeah. Um, a lot of times when we approach this question, we yeah. think in terms of money. Yeah. Right? Okay, give them enough money, they are yeah. able to survive and, and all that. Uh, but if they don't have the values, yeah. if they are not taught, actually the, the quantum of money doesn't matter. No matter how much you give them or how little you give them, could be squandered or may or they may become very unwise once they see it. Yeah. Um, but if if kids have the right values and the right relationship with the money, yeah. 
100,000, 10,000, 100 million. Uh, and they are taught how to manage it properly. Um, uh, they can handle it. Uh, for my own kids, um, for many years now, um, we have, uh, I, I've, I've, I've structured my, <laughs> my, myself, since you're, you're quite interested in this. So I formed a new family, uh, a new business control that controls uh, my family as well, uh, about three years ago. Now, and I've designed it in such a way that there is no majority. All my four kids get 10%, my wife gets double, and I get double. So that makes 100%. Now, when I get 20, I get 40. In this situation, there is no majority. Even I have to work with someone else if I want to push something through. It's specially designed like this. And, and, uh, and if my kids want something else, they have to convince other people. So, so that means they need to work as a team. They need to, they need to know how to propose. They need to know how to convince and negotiate. They need to know how to participate and collaborate. Yeah. Yeah, they are, they are, they are forced. So, and this, and it, and it's not about so much about managing wealth. It's about how to work together. Yeah. If you can work together and have the um, right approach and methodology from young, and doing it in one particular way, yeah. it doesn't matter whether your company becomes a multi-billion-dollars. You still behave and act in the same way. Yeah. Uh, you you learn how to listen. You learn how to respect uh, differences of opinions, and you learn that you don't always get your way. Yeah. And yet you can believe it. And you also learn that even if you don't get your way, once a decision is made, uh, you should align to it as if it was uh, your decision as well. Yeah. Uh, these are important principles and values to have. And if we can get these things right, managing well becomes a lot easier. Yeah. Uh, there are also rules should also uh, be really important, clear cut rules that everyone participates in so that they know the reasons and the spirit and the intent of, of why it was written in that manner. Yeah. Um, so, so one of my daughters uh, a few years ago uh, uh, talked to me. She, she said um, uh, that you know, there's some ambiguity about a particular case. He says that you need to sort it out. <laughs> so I said, uh, so I listened, yes, tell me. She said, if you don't sort it out and make it clear, when it comes to our generation, there will be quarrels. Wow. You have to make it very clear. Yeah. She was talking about the wider family, not just yeah. Yeah, yeah. all the companies and everything. Yeah. It, gets, it gets very complex. She says, you've got to make it clear. And, uh, and I thought, you know, that's, that's a really wise thing to do, but not me writing it. Why don't we all write it? Why don't we all share it and then give our opinion and then develop that concept or that paper ourselves. So, so we are all co-designers of the life that we want to have. Because, uh, and that's important because those that create will commit. Yes. And co-creation is the way, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's not dumb on them. I chose that that word that that word so so yeah so the document uh, has a part of me in it as well yeah so yeah that's beautiful so you're sharing on this 40 20 and then you know four times 10 right so 
and 20, 40. Yeah. So going through now the planning in terms of the next stage of your life, can you share a little bit about what, what you have created of, or there's a timeline or um, what, what does that look like? So I mean, is there I, clarity? Um, I don't have a timeline okay. because we never know when opportunity arises that we can push faster okay. if we push too early yeah. um, my fear is that um, it, be, it becomes misunderstood yeah. and it's, it's unnecessary yeah. um, we have a luxury in, uh, in families because we think in terms of generation so, so, so we can go as slow yeah. as, a, as a slowest person because we want everyone to come along this is like the African saying goes right if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And that means we have to wait for everyone else. So that's the luxury that we have as a family, unlike in business. Um, so I don't put a time line to it so that I'm not forcing my, myself uh, before it's ready. Uh, but what I do think of is allocation of time. How much time Am I allocating to this business of family yeah. versus uh, the business of business? Yeah. Business of business is where we always spend our time. But how much time do we dedicate to this? So what I've done is I began, I began to color code my calendar. Okay. Work, family, even time for myself personally, yeah. uh, on health matters. And with the color coding, I can see very clearly in the week, in, in, in two weeks, am I off? You know, it's a, it's, yeah. it's a rough gauge, right? Um, uh, and, I, and what I would like to do is to begin to increase the time which I spend for family matters. Anything that I classify to be family, it could be going on holiday, having a meeting, a discussion with someone, going out for dinner. For example, celebrating a birthday like last night's uh, you know, dinner, which we had at home. So I think in terms of time. Okay, so, so, you, okay. so you will slowly work step by step, increase the time, yeah. and, and then go with the flow in terms of when it's time and what you choose, because, I mean, you're still very, very young. So it's... Uh, it's and, I guess, and I guess in life, it's, it's like this. It, things happen... Um, in my life, see, things always seem to happen this way. Slowly, 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 and then suddenly it happens. It happened. Yeah. 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 So we push, we prod a little bit. Yeah. We pull ourselves back and we watch uh, how the situation develops, how the person develops, and then we push a little bit. And then all of a sudden, one day we woke up, uh, they want to do it. There's a champion. A champion has a reason to, to take it further. You know, those are the moments I, I, you know, I'm looking forward to because then we can move very fast when the, when the team is ready, when the group is ready, or when the family is ready. Yeah. We've, we've got about, uh, and, yeah. and the thing I, and the thing I was just thinking of as I'm speaking to you yeah. is, uh, maybe it doesn't happen in my life, you know, maybe what, I envision doesn't happen in my lifetime. Yeah. And it's okay because it might not be up to me to finish it. It might be up to the next generation to take it and then they complete it uh, for themselves. Yeah. 
No, but that's, you know, the, 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 the whole concept that you spoke about in terms of legacy, right? This is something that has always been a debate, right? Um, especially when others, like some of us have created entrepreneurial funds for our children. And I remember my son came to me when he was nine. So he's like, oh, Baba, so basically when I'm, when, when I'm going to work for the business and then when you, when you retire, I take over. And the first question I asked, I said was, first, you don't need to wait for me to retire to take over. Let's be very clear. And secondly mm -hmm. is, this is Baba's dream. Why would you want to live Baba's dream? You should live your dream. That's right. Right? That's and right. Then, you the dream. Let's talk about your dream. Yeah. yeah. And this was when they, he was 10 years old, right? And then later, at that time, I was running companies in crazy countries, right? So I wasn't very comfortable, right? That's why I had said it. Now I built uh -huh. genetic care. And I said, oh, maybe one day you want to take genetic care to the next level. And they responded to me, but Baba, that's your dream. We want to live our dream. Yeah. <laughs> so sometimes exactly. it comes back to bite you, right? <laughs> you see, and that's exactly what I was trying to say. You, yeah. you know, you get him to, you get him to think. Yeah. And one day you wake up, you know, you feel safe. You feel yeah. happy that they are thinking uh, in the right way. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that, that, that legacy question, right? It's, it's you know, um, selling off what you built or them selling off what you built. You know, I, I, I'm sure is, I mean, we just sold a business after 21 years. That was the core business we built. I sold it in January. It was wow. an emotional process, right? Yeah. It was your core baby, right? And, you know, it's so, it's, it's not, it's easier said than done, right? We both know that, Loy, right? Right? That mm -hmm. if yeah. Taylor's business is eventually decided to be sold at some moment in time, even though it's the right decision, it makes sense because we're putting family first, there's still an emotional attachment to it, right? That uh, mm -hmm. we need mm -hmm. to process. So, Loy, we've got a couple minutes left. What um, some closing remarks, anything we didn't touch on that you'd like to share in terms of lessons or in terms of guidance? Um, what's worked? what you would love to others to nudge other than what we shared in terms of putting family first, not holding on to legacy, you know, not imposing or expecting that, you know, every, every kid is, you know, entrepreneurial or, or anything of the sort. Uh, I'm thinking that um, I, I used to say that family and, Many of us will say family is the most important thing, right? And I've always been wondering how do we measure that importance? And I think maybe I've arrived at my answer in, in this call today. It's very useful talking to you. Uh, and, and the realization is the answer is how much time are you spending on it? And then if family is important, why should I be the only one who's doing it? <laughs> because it should be important for them too. Yeah. If it's important, if family is important, it means it's important for them. Yeah. We have to think of a way of how we could get them to participate yeah. because they are an equal stakeholder. Yeah. Every single family member of mine is an equal and important stakeholder in our family. Yeah. We are all family members. In that regard, we are all peers. <laughs> in yeah. the family. Yeah. And so what I want may not necessarily be what 
everyone else wants. So the so lesson for me is uh, how much time am I spending on it, yeah. and how am I uh, involving everyone? How can I encourage everyone yeah. uh, to to spend an equal amount of time in this unit that is so important? Yeah, even though they're in a different stage of life, right? Because they're yes. in a very different stage of life from you, right? Yes, they will eventually if they choose to have their own family and that will take energy and time, right? I remember when we trained with Rob and they said, just give me your schedule and your expense account and I will mm. tell you your priorities. It's <laughs> black and no. white. And that's what you're referring to, right? There's two things, your time and your financial resources don't lie because they're obvious, right? Where it's being done. So thank you. Thank you. Um, let me just see if there's, Okay, that's that's uh, that's just a thank you note. All right, so um, thank you very much, Loy, for for the time to be here today. I mean, I know it's late for you. Sorry to have kept you awake so late. For me, it's it's now seven a.m., so it's very early for me. <laughs> so we're we're in the opposite ends. So once again, thank you very much. Um, anything else um, you'd like to add before we before we call it a day? I think that was a beautiful. You know, it's a very pleasant conversation. Yes. So thank, thank you. you for the intimate sharing. Truly appreciate it. And um, all of us have learned, including me, I'm now going to really reflect on what you shared in terms of time, in terms of putting that energy, right? Having those conversations, encouraging, mm -hmm. right? Bringing that yumminess to, to the home, right? So that everybody can, can wants to be there, right? Because they, want, they yearn for it, as you shared. So thank you, Loy. Have a good night. Um, speak to you soon. Thank you, everyone, for taking the time to be here with us. And uh, we'll see you soon on our next uh, webinar uh, in October. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Bye. Bye.